Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. I need everybody to close your eyes. And I want to read you something as we begin. Church, we must win this war. This war for our families. This war for our churches. This war for our pastors. This war for the souls of the lost men and women of the world. We must fight prepared, robed in the armor of God. We must fight with the knowledge of the word of God. We must know how to pray and fast. We must know how to listen to the Holy Spirit's direction. We must know where to move and when to move is directed. We need to fight as if the very struggle and victory depended on us and Jesus alone. Therefore, we must work, we must fight, we must sacrifice, we must endure, and we must realize that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Nothing is so formidable as the will, love, and courage, and submission of the fighting. Praying. Men and women in the armies of the living God, these are weapons that our spiritual adversaries lack. These are weapons that are given freely to those who hunger and thirst for them. Let it be understood that those who practice persecution, those who search for ways to destroy us, those who tempt us and murder us, those who exploit us and oppress us, those who discourage and speak death over us, those who believe they have chosen an unworthy opponent incapable of spiritual battle, they have chosen wrong. You have stumbled upon a warrior of the living God. You see, I don't have the strength to shut the mouth of lions, but God does. I don't have the ability to walk on water, but God does. I don't know how to overcome, but God does. I don't understand how to deal with the enemy, but God's word does. I can't stand to battle another day, but if God is for me, then who can stand against me? We will never surrender. We will never falter, and we will never relent. We are chosen disciples of Jesus Christ, whose mission and calling is to save the world. The world doesn't have the authority. God does. If if there was ever a time to stand and fight, it is now. Your enemy isn't your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your pastor. Your enemy is my enemy. We stand and fight together. We are the first responders in the armies of the living God. Come on, give God a shout this morning. My friends, the day of victory will not come to the passive. We've been on the defensive long enough. It's time to step up and step in. The mission is too important. The Bible says if we don't, then the rocks will cry out. The Bible says to go into all the world and make disciples. The Bible says also that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have that recipe for victory. We, God has given us the tools to overcome the world. God has formed you and made you fearfully and wonderfully when he breathed the breath of life into you. He set his plan into motion in your life, a plan to draw you back into himself, and in your redemption grant you the opportunity to see others redeemed and set free. You have a part in the redemption of humanity, every single one of you. Can you grasp that this morning? God has given you purpose. God has given you a mission. God has given you the power to overcome. He's given us the recipe for victory. He wants to take you beyond the expectation of who he is, what he can do in the plan that he has for your life, the power he has to make that plan of reality, 
What do you expect from God this morning? Why are we sitting in church today? What are we doing here? What do you expect from God today? I expect miracles. I expect overcoming. I expect deliverance. I expect freedom. Everything when God steps foot into the room, the darkness flees. And the light shines brighter than the sun. That's the God I serve. And that's the God that I speak of. And that's the reason that I go to Central America and I minister to gang people. My life is about ministering to young people and old people and older people. And for some of you, really old people. I've entitled this message this morning, Beyond Expectation. Beyond Expectation. This morning, have you forgotten what title you bear? Come on, I'm getting amped up this morning. If we don't run out of here charging, kicking down the doors and running through the streets, man, to respond to those that need to hear this, what title do you bear? Have you forgotten this morning who you represent? Have you forgotten that even the winds and the waves obey him? Do you realize that Jesus brought himself back to life for the redemption of humanity, for a relationship with you, with each one of you? to bring us back to the garden, to walk with him and to talk with him? Have you minimized the power and the glory of God so much in your life as that you have reduced it to just a powerful worship experience on Sunday morning? Have you forgotten what it's like to be in communion with Almighty God? So this morning, Beyond Expectation is not talking about you or I. Beyond Expectation is realizing once again who we serve and who we love. Who is the King of Kings? Who is the Lord of Lords? Who is the one that set free the captive? Realizing who we are in league with. Because out of the outflow of God comes streams of living water, the power to overcome this world. We want to know how to overcome this world. We want to know why everything is going the way it's going and how we combat this. Let me tell you something. The Spirit of God has overcome the world. We have that power to overcome the world. And the Bible has given a blueprint to us on how to overcome this world. God has given us the power to do exceedingly and abundantly over all that we could ever ask or imagine. So have you come with expectation this morning? Have you come with expectation this morning? Hoo-yah. Have you come expecting to have an encounter with God? Come on a little bit louder, church. Let's get fired up this morning, boy. Have you come today ready for battle? I'm not talking about a physical battle. I'm on a spiritual one. I'm talking about preparation for what lies outside of the four walls of this church. You see, it's easy to get excited and exuberant about Jesus and talk about how we're going to save the world. It's another thing that when we step foot outside this door to let our mouths ring freedom and talk about liberty and who can save and who can redeem. Are you ready to stand when all else seems to be falling? Are you ready to fear, to put the fear of God back into the place inside of your heart and the trust back and the truth back in your heart? That truth that he is overcome, he's overcoming and he will overcome and we share in that victory. So I ask you once again, church, my family, I've got to know 90% of you this week. Are you ready to have an encounter with Almighty God? Amen. I'm so glad you said that. I am so, whew, an encounter with God that will change your life. And let me tell you something, all that come into contact with you. You see, because the redemption isn't just for us, it's for the world. The light that you carry isn't to be hidden, it's for those living in darkness. The world is starving and you have something that they're looking for. The bread that to nourish them, the bread to satisfy them, and the bread to sustain them. 
I'm talking about the bread of life. And how can we withhold nourishment from somebody who's starving? Today, I believe the Spirit of God is here to instruct us, equip us, motivate us, and take us beyond our expectations of who he is. And the expectations you have for your own life and understand once again who you serve and what family you are a part of and what your future holds. I want to tell you a story about going beyond and what beyond expectations means to me and my family. See, I lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which I explained to the group uh, last night that any time that you drive through Lancaster, PA, you're going to smell manure. That's what's an, I've gotten, I've gotten said, somebody had told me about that. I've also gotten asked if I was former Amish. And I said, does it shine through in my personality? <laughs> I am converted Amish. I'm not converted Amish. I'm messing with you. I grew up on a farm. The most unlikely person to do anything. I, I, ne- I never even understood what missions was all about. I worked on a farm all my life in Lancaster, PA. I reeked of manure. What a great life to have. I was one of those proverbial fishermen, right? Amen. Man, that kid's filled with the Holy Ghost. Working the land with my father and my brothers, just, you know, living life. Graduated from high school into the U.S. military. Met my wife. I married her. We had a child while serving. We left the military. I went to work in construction. If you could pop, hey, you, you are so on it, man. I love you guys in the sound booth. I went to work in construction. Uh, we had two more children. We were foster parents. We adopted a young girl through the fostering system. We went to church, and that's where I thought our story would end, right? The dream, the American dream, we had it all. Until one day I was working at the PSECU building in Harrisburg, and God thought it would be a great idea to tap me on the shoulder. In fact, he did so much that I actually fell down face first on the scissors lift 30 feet in the air and started weeping before the Lord in front of all these dudes, big beards, smelling like alcohol, working on a construction site. You know, this is not the place to get tender. Because if you show weakness, they will attack you. It's kind of like jail. They will come after you. So I'm up on this scissor lift. Just weaving. I don't know what to do. And I sounded like a wounded bear. And everybody's standing there looking out going, dude, what's going on with this dude? And so we get him down. God was speaking to me in that moment. And I heard a voice say, wake up, get up, put on your armor, and go to battle. What I didn't know was at this same time, God was calling my wife and all four of my children. All the way down to five years old. God was saying, you have a mission. I'm sending you on a mission. But God, we are the most unlikely people. What do I have to offer anybody? Just trust in me. I'll take care of the rest. We went to language school. It's a really recap, a really quick recap of our story. We went to language school. And when I go, I'm a, I'm a dunderhead, man. I mean, I just, you know, pick up hay bales and we're you're shoveling poop and all that. Can I say that in the, from the pulpit? Sorry, I don't mean to say poop. Um, horse manure, cow manure, from, uh, and, 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 I don't even know where I was going with that. My mind just went off. That's so messed up. Let me see where my notes are. We go to language school, and I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to learn Spanish. Yeah, right. So I'm sitting in, in this Spanish class, and I'm, like, looking out the window, and they're like, Mike! And I'm looking out the window, and Mike! And I'm looking at the birds flying. I have no clue what these people are saying. So we get into the country. We get into uh, um, El Salvador. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. Because I can't talk. Imagine, even you, you guys, imagine you go up and you engage somebody, especially a gang leader, and all of a sudden you're like, what do I say? What do I, I don't even know where to go with this. But God always has your back. 
I walked up and I was in this, in this uh, construction site and, and we're building this church and, and I look over and I see this dude and he's standing up against this tree, man. He's got, you know, shirt off, tatted up. You know, he's looking against this tree. Looks like he wants to kill me. What's up, Holmes? You know, and I, and I look at him, and all of a sudden I get this overwhelming love for this man, and the Spirit of God, I believe, is speaking to me. He says, go over and engage this guy. So I immediately leave. Now, I want to tell you, I told this story before, but I love what God does in this story. I want to tell you that I had a buddy, and he spoke a little bit of English. He was, he was like my translator, and his name was Alan, and he learned English from the Internet, and, 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 he, sound, and he sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So that's who he mimicked, right? So... So when, when he's looking at me, he's like, I said, who is that guy? He goes, oh, you don't want to go over there. <laughs> he said, that guy, he's no good. And I said, well, Alan, I really feel like I, no, you don't want to go over there. Mike, what are you doing? Get back over here. You know, he's yelling across. The, and as I'm walking over to this guy, I feel like, man, I just need to shake his hand. So immediately I went over and I put my hand out and he looks down at me, he shakes and he grabs my hand. And I start shaking it, and he drops it, and he walks away. And I came back, and he said, do you realize what he could have done to you? He could have killed you, you know. I, I promise you, you come to the Salvador, we'll meet Alan. He'll, you'll die laughing because it's hilarious. I didn't know, but this was the leader of MS-13. You guys know, you've heard about MS-13. We deal with the, the 18th Street Gangs, MS-13. So... This is the guy that the Lord had me encounter without Spanish. No clue what to say, no clue what to do. Just shake the guy's hand. So I walk away, come the next day. Uh, I'm working on this, on this job site. This, we're building a church in this gang-ridden area. And I look over, and there he is, man. He's standing underneath that tree. And I look back, and there's Alan. And he's looking at me. He's like. <laughs> and the Spirit of God comes on me. And all of a sudden, I feel this overwhelming urge to go back. And, and I went, and he's like. No, you know, get to the chopper, you know, get back here. And so I start to walk over, and all of a sudden I feel this, this urge just to, just to give him this hug, man, just to hug. You ever hear those stories, like those really weird stories about how people do weird things like that? And I'm hoping it's God, because if it's not, it's really weird and really awkward. So I start to walk over, and I'm just, you know, give him a hug, and I stop, and I'm, are you sure, God, this is what you want me to do? And yes, this is what I want you to do. So as I walk up to him, all of a sudden he holds his hand out. And I knew at that moment that God was in control. And so I just went in for it. And I squeezed. Let me tell you something. I squeezed. Because if this wasn't God, I was going to make sure that this guy lost oxygen and passed out. And I had time to run. Like I wasn't even about trying to do something that wasn't God. Well, little did I know, he looks at me and he starts to speak to me in Spanish. And I understood him. Weird, right? And I started to speak back and I was speaking to him in Spanish. Again, something that, uh, what? I didn't retain anything in school. I only knew what kind of birds were flying around outside the window. And I started to speak to him and he said, why did you do that? And I said, man, I've come all the way from North America to tell you that God has a plan for your life. And he said, why... I don't believe you. And I said, well, that's all I got. I, can't, I don't really have anything else. He goes, do you want to come to my house? And I'm like, for like a sleepover? Like, <laughs> And he goes, no, I want you to meet my son. We just had a baby. Yeah, I would love to. So he went over to his house. And if you can imagine this, this, this whole like dirt road and they're very poor. And we open up this old rickety gate and we walk through and we see this young lady, the face of depression. 
And she's sitting there and she's holding this little baby. And I run to this baby and I pick up this baby and I start to love on this baby. And I'm like, man, this is, oh, I love you. So this little peanut with an alien head and you're so beautiful and I'm loving. And he goes, why are you doing this? And I said, man, I want to tell you that this is how God loves you, that he loves you like I'm loving your son. He goes, none of my boys ever came to look at my son. None, nobody even cared about. And some gringo that does, speaks horrible Spanish come from the United States and love on my son. I said, man, you know what? I just want you to know that God loves you and he has a plan for you. I I did what all Christians do in that moment. I looked to him and I said, do you want to come to church? Like pawn you off on the pastor, right? Because I didn't know what else to do, man. I mean, this is a gang leader. You know, all of his guys, the whole area was riddled with gang activity. Who am I? I'm just this dude, podunk, Lancaster, PA, former converted Amish so he says, I'll never come to church. So I looked at him, and I, and I, and I was asking God, God, what, what am I supposed to do? And he said, dedicate his son to me. He'll come. So I turned to him, and I said, hey, how would you like to dedicate your son to God? Safety. Who's going to go? No, I don't want to dedicate my son to God. He said, I will. But what happens in those communities is they invite their whole family, their whole family, their whole family came to church that morning. Acts 16, 31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved, you and your whole household. All it took was one. His whole, house, his whole household was destroyed before the Lord. Countenance changed. All of a sudden, they had something that they never had before. They had hope. They had freedom. They had salvation. But Enrique, he was a bonehead. He didn't want to relent. I'm the gang leader, man. I don't do that stuff. Like, I got too much riding on this thing. But God has more power than any, anything, anything in the darkness. Six months later, Enrique gave his life to the Lord. He gave his life to the Lord. It was his decision. He was sitting in church. I was sitting behind him, and all of a sudden, I see his head go down, and I see his hands go up like this. And he said... I just want to be free. And there are two ways to get out of a gang. I don't know if you guys know this. One is to be murdered, or the other is to become a born-again believer and live out the life of Jesus Christ. They'll actually file in the back of the church carrying while we're preaching, like, what's up, guy? That's a nice nine millimeter, man. That's good. That's a great machete, dude. Good. Just, yeah. All right. They're sitting in the back of the church watching. You're like, man, I'm worshiping. You see me worshiping, dude? These gang. Yep. Yep. That's how it went for a little while. God can do the unimaginable. God can do the impossible. We say, who are we? God says, you're a child of mine, but I have nothing, but you are a child of mine. But I don't know where to go with this, but you are a child of mine. I will take care of you. I will see you through. You see, because what happened after that was Enrique changed so much we were doing this elite training. We had a couple of people in our elite program, and all of a sudden, we, we, I was asking, I was praying for God for an increase, and the next day, we had 83 people knock on our door. I opened the big Jurassic Park door, and there are like 83 gang guys standing outside the door. What do you do in that moment? Well, I have three points for you for... Um, uh, point number one, uh, you need to be redeemed. No, we went up to a man. What's going on, brother? You know, hugging them, loving on them, giving them something that they've been denied for so long, they melt like wax. They came in through the door. We started to train them. They tra- the, the, the community changed so much, the police showed up. Oh, the police showed up. 
Great, now who's at the door? Uh, you want these guys, not me, man. I'm, I'm clean. They go, listen, we know something's going on here. We, something's going on here. You got to tell us what's going on because the murder rate dropped overnight. It dropped overnight. What's going on? Well, come on in. Let us show you, man. The police officers walked through that door and I started to train them. They were carrying weapons. They had their tape. They had everything on their handcuffs. And they're going down obstacle courses. And they're shouting at each other, come on, fat man. You know, and they're going down the obstacle. And I was like, no, we don't do that here. No, and I'm reprimanding the police, right? No, we don't do that here. They're like, my bad, Mike, my bad, you know. Get down and do push-ups. All right, man. 200 police officers started to come. And now they have a police ministry in the church. The church rose from 200 people up to 800 and then settled out at about 600 people. The area changed so much, they started a vocational training program. Those same gang members that were former or are former are now leaders in the church. They're leaders in the youth ministry. Tell me that my God can't do the impossible. We've seen two dead people raised back to life. Hey, I'm not afraid to say it, man. This is my God. If I'm going to represent my God, I'm going to represent him correctly. We've seen two dead people raised back to life. Talk about first response. We were at a baptism, and somebody drowned. Somebody was being baptized at the little kiddie pool while another boy drowned. So I walk over, he's one of my guys. I walk over and I see my other guys pointing down. I said, what's going on? And I see, and, I, and it's all green because there's no chlorinated pools. It's like algified pools, man. So I jump in the pool because they were really animate. There's something down there. I hope it wasn't an alligator. You know, it's like, it was a, a thought after I jumped in. So I look down and I see this hue at the bottom of the pool. And it's a, it's a young boy. So immediately I swam down as fast as I could and I grabbed him and I came up and I launched him out of the pool and he smacked on the side of the pool and laid there. I jumped out of the pool and started CPR on him. I looked down and he was gone. He was gone. If there was a pulse, it wasn't happening. So I started to minister CPR and I'm pumping into him and I'm breathing and it's nasty, man, when you're giving CPR. I mean, when we give it up for first responders, there are things that they do that we don't even know about to save people's lives. We're pumping on this guy, and there's like spit and snot and stuff flowing out of him, and he's just laying there lifeless as can be. CPR is tough. It takes it out of you. And after seven minutes, this kid was not responding. We called the police. It took him two hours to show up. Thank God you guys do it in five minutes or less, or it's free. I'm so glad you guys laughed at that. I would have, I would have been hurt, and you would have just crushed my self-esteem. So we were left with nothing. When all hope is gone, we have nothing. Else. What do we do? We're not going to say this kid's dead. No, because we are children of God. So then what do we do? We turned to God. We gathered around them and started to pray. We started to pray. We started to pray, and all of a sudden, <laughs> this water comes out. He stands up, and he staggers around, and he goes, and he sits down, and he goes, man, can I get something to eat? I can only tell you what I've seen. 
I can only tell you what I've been a part of. The next guy, really quickly, had an abscess in his mouth, bled out of his mouth. We found out he lost almost half the blood in his body. They called me one night at 3 a.m. I tore up to the church. I got inside the walls of the church, and there was Oscar laying on the ground with all this blood everywhere. He was gone. He was blue. He was done. So I picked up his lifeless body, and I put him in. It's heavy, man. A body is heavy. You stick him in the back of the truck, and, he, and I push him up, and I shut the tailgate. And in a hospital in Central America, socialized hospital, they don't open. They're closed at night, man. The lights are off. They're sleeping. There's no doctors. There's just a maintenance guy. So I'm hauling down to this hospital. The gates are locked with a padlock. All of a sudden, I turn the corner, and the gate comes flying open. And I tear in through the hospital. And I'm yelling, I need a doctor. I need a doctor. And the maintenance guy comes out, and he's like, what are you yelling at? I need a doctor. He's like, so? I said, well, give me a gurney. So he pushes the gurney down the ramp. I catch the gurney. I pick up my friend's body. I put it on the gurney. I run up into the hospital, and I'm looking around for it. There's nobody. The lights are off. Like, there's the lights are off. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm standing alone in the hospital with my dead friend who his girl just had a baby. And so the maintenance guy left, and I'm standing there. Oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. You hear about these things in the Bible. Well, let's see if, we, let's, let's see if it's true. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord and Redeemer, don't take my friend Sit straight up like a zombie coming up, you know, out of the ground. I was like, ah! Came back down and started breathing, and the color came back into his face. He was completely fine. He was dead, but then God brought him back to life, and now he's serving Jesus as king in Central America. I could go on. We've seen blind eyes see. We've seen death raised back to life. We've seen uh, the storm split as they try and approach us and come after us as we're doing building projects. We have been part of the unimaginable, but why and how? It's a simple answer. Just like these men and women in uniform, it's a simple answer. They've said yes. They've said yes. They've said, I'm going all in, baby. I'm stepping all in. Faith, hope, love, and expectation. Faith allows you to take that first step. Hope keeps you advancing, and love, love gets you out of bed in the morning. Love compels you to act. Love is your fuel. Tackling fuel. An expectation keeps your focus on the will of God. Constantly looking for God in every situation. We said yes to God when he called our expectation to God was simply, he is God. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. And then watch as his promise became a reality. When we said yes to God, we said, he said, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here we are, send us. We're willing to go above and beyond the call of duty so that one might be saved. Incredible, incredible, incredible. I salute you. Because I... I see it every day. You see, from that testimony of the gang leader, the young man who said, he's, don't go, he's going to kill Don't go, he's going to kill you. You know, that Arnold Schwarzenegger guy. He's now the director of Teen Challenge. 
and he's in five prisons ministering to young people. These young people, they get caught up in the gangs who are just looking for acceptance. It's amazing to see what God can do through a simple answer. It's amazing to see what men and women in uniform can do through a simple answer. The risk they take so that one might be saved. The elite ministry, the ministry that you saw up on the screen, it was birthed out of going after young people. It has now grown into multiple countries and now is down in the Amazon. Who wants to go to the Amazon jungle and train people and crawl through mud pits and eat snails and stuff? I don't see any hands. I see one. I see one. My friends, I think of the disciples of Jesus. I think their expectations when Jesus said, follow me. And in the time they were living, the persecution, the fear of the Roman government, the fear of the church, even now in the times we're living, the persecution that these men and women in uniform face, the fear, the things of the unknown. I can only imagine what they were thinking in that moment, but the Bible says they dropped everything. They dropped everything to run into danger, to run into the unknown, to run to Central America when everybody's saying it is the worst place on earth to be. My friends, if you were think you were put on this earth just to breathe air, make money, pay taxes, sit in church, and die, I'm here to tell you that God has set you apart for a greater purpose. That God has something much more bigger and much more radical than you could ever imagine. How am I doing on time? I'm good. Where is your expectation at God today? What and for whom were you created? When you sign on the line as a follower of Jesus Christ, God transforms you and makes you his own. You then submit your human capabilities, your limited human capabilities to God's unlimited supernatural power. You become a part, a receiver, a warrior, a disciple maker, a testifier of an unlimited supply in the greatest kingdom that we have never imagined. My humanity was telling me that I was crazy to put myself in a situation like that, especially without being able to communicate. But my expectation was God, who he is, drove me to be obedient. The power to speak and have blind eyes see. We had a gentleman come into the back of the church, drunk as a skunk, smell of tequila, and he's walking up in the back of the church, and, and we have an altar call, and it's like, well, we don't want him to come up to our altar call. But he came up to the altar call, and he stood in the back, and we're like, oh, this is going to be good. And he's weaving around, and he is blind. He has glasses on, and he's carrying a walking stick. And the Spirit of God comes on me, and he says, pray for his sight. Okay, so I walk up to the back of him knowing that God was going to do this and I laid hands on the back of his head and all of a sudden I said, in the name of Jesus, see, and I walked away and I heard this and, and I look and I turn around and this dude has his glasses up and his cane is there and he's yelling, I can see, I can see Jesus healed me. I can see, I can see Jesus healed me. I can see, I can see. Two minutes in the power and the presence of God, this man walked in blind but can now I see. But me, the weirdo that I am, I walked over to him and I was like, he did not smell of alcohol. He was completely sober and in his right mind. And he walked back two minutes in the power in the presence of God. And he walked out a changed man. Nothing can stand against the full weight and the anointing of the power of God. Nothing. In Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly over all that we could ever ask or imagine. According to the power that works in us. Luke 14.48 
though, says, to whom much is given, much is required. You, my friends, have been given that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Your expectation of who he is is played out in your answer every day when he calls a yes, affirmative, a no, negative. Beyond expectation as to where God wants to take you. If you're still maintaining and holding on to a life in Christ, I would ask you, what are your expectations of God in your life, your family, your job, your ministry opportunities? Where do you think that God is in all of those? My friends, it's time to move past the basic and on to changing communities in the world. I'm here all the way from Honduras, Central America, because God has given me a message to give to you. Here goes. This is a message for the church. I prayed for you. I've been praying for you. I've been every single one of you. And I believe that this is from the Lord. Are you ready? This is called hashtag truth. I had to be culturally relevant. We are 50 years behind you guys, so I'm still trying with a flip phone. Church, it is time to rise up out of those seats. It is time to awaken. It is time to realize your position in God's army. It is time to stop waiting for somebody else to go. You are being called in today. It is time to carry the light into the darkness with boldness. It's time to confront fear, confront pain, confront the world because of what you know about the future. It is time to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's time to go beyond, beyond being comfortable, beyond being fearful, and beyond being sedentary, beyond expectation. Because Jesus Christ went beyond for you. In fact, he left glory. He became a man and he endured all the pain and temptations, but he did not sin. All for that one lost sheep. You and me. You see, that's what I tell MS-13 gang members. And you would be surprised. People ask me, is it, it's difficult, isn't it, to get people out of it? No. Because when they hear the truth, they can't stand against the weight of that love. So what am I doing this morning? I'm calling out the fishermen. I'm calling out the elk hunters. I'm calling out the firemen. I'm calling out the policemen. I'm calling out first responders. I'm calling out hairdressers. I'm calling out the builders, the chefs, the businessmen, the teachers, the doctors, the professors, the car salesmen, the moms, and the dads. I'm calling out every single one of you this morning, men, women, and children, teens. It's time to place your human expectations on the altar and allow God to take you beyond expectation. How can you use your skills and what God has put in you? How could he use a farmer to go to Central America and involve with gang members, with my wife teaching and my children as young as five years old praying for these hardened people and seeing lives changed? People would say it's impossible, and then I say with God all things are possible. How can you use your testimony and what God has done in your life to change a nation? Church, beyond expectation is the idea that God can use more than just the preacher, no offense, out of the four walls of this church. To spread the love and example and gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, the preacher's job is to disciple you, which your pastor is over the top with this. I, I watch, in fact, I watch you guys online on Sunday. I love listening to this man. I expect a big offering later. And... And I know most of you from the back of your heads. I've seen you, but coming from the screen. <laughs> I love you guys. Thanks for laughing at me. 
The answer is yes and move. God can use your talents. He can use your failures. He can use your weaknesses and he can use your strengths to promote the message of the gospel. Just like you did with a gang leader. You see the invent of just one handshake that led to a hug, that led to a life change, that led to a community change that will lead to a nation changed. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. It is for Christ's sake that I delight in these weaknesses, insults, difficulties, hardships, and persecutions. For when I am, I am for when I am weak, I am strong. Today, there are no more excuses. And you can no longer say, I am not, because the maker of the universe says, but I made you and I formed you. I've given you purpose and the power to overcome. Therefore, you are. Who is anybody to say any different? Ephesians 2 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. He prepared for us in advance. He's already given you the victory. So why are you defeating the purpose for what God has for your life? Or why are you talking yourself out of it? God says, I've already given you this victory. I've already done this in advance for you. Hoo-yah. Man, it get me amped up. He's already has me out there with you guys, and we're already preaching the gospel. We're already seeing people change and save. We want to see this world change. We got to start turning it back over to God. We don't have the answers. Nonprofits, they don't have the answers. NGOs don't have the answers. God has the answers. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. My friend, we are sinners saved by grace. We are fishermen of God. King of the universe went to the lowliest to find those people. Now, I'm not calling you lowly. I'm calling myself lowly. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't lowly. (laughs) I was interviewed one time by by a newspaper. And they asked me, because the government says that the, the gangs are like a cancer, that these young people are like a cancer and they need to be exterminated. And my heart started to break. I said, you know what? These young people are young men and women. They breathe the same breath that we do. They have the same opportunity for redemption as we do. And he looked at me and he said, you're crazy. That's so stupid. He said, so how do you, Mr. Christian, how do you, how do you see this playing out? I said, well, we've tried so many things. We've tried programs. We've tried counseling. We've tried force. But have we tried love? Hear me then. Hear me on this. What does love compel you to do? Love compels you to act when all else are sitting back. Love drives you into a burning building when everybody else is standing there with their phones out. Love propels you, love fuels you. There's an act, there's, there's duty, but there's love. And I truly believe that. Because if you didn't love, who would want to put themselves in harm's way for somebody else? I see that. And I love you and I appreciate that. And we appreciate that. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you this morning. When all else were standing back, Jesus ran to the cross. And he put himself up there. And he allowed himself to be murdered. For you and for me, he gave his life. 
What a fitting description of the men and women that we are loving on today. So it's time, church, to go beyond limitations, beyond imagination, beyond our motivations to see God take us beyond our expectations for the redemption of humanity. Would you stand with me this morning? My friends, my family. Can I have you young people right here? Can I have you come up here with me? Can you come up here with me? I want you to come right up here in the front. Uh, you can face face the congregation. Right there, guys. Yep. You guys come on up here. You gals, come on. This is... My friends... The walls, they don't even exist in the kingdom of God. The walls that we build up, they don't even exist. When the Lord called me into missions, I sat where you sat. I listened to the sermons you listened to, and I did something perhaps maybe you've done. I put a limit on God's power when I said, you can never use someone like me. I'm not that guy. And God spoke to me, and he said, but my grace is sufficient for you. But my power is made perfect in your weakness. When you are weak, I will give you strength. This morning, I believe that you are being commissioned by the sovereign Lord, the one who spoke the very universe into existence. And the word that I got was these young people right here. This is where revival is going to be birthed out of. So I ask you this morning, I want you to make a declaration before God. And young people, I want you to pray for these old people. I want you to pray for our first responders. I want you to pray for these men and women who give, put their lives on the line because I believe that there is so much power in the words that you say. You are anointed. This young lady on the right-hand side, far right-hand side, God has anointed you with, so, with a double portion of anointing. There's so much power that rests in your voice. I don't know why I felt compelled to say that other than the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want you to make a declaration. As a church, as a church body, as we close out, I'm gonna turn it back over, but I wanna take this time with the Lord. You feel something birthed inside of you. This is a mobilization week. I came here and I was wondering what God was going to do, and it was a mobilization. You've been empowered, you've been invested in, you've been spoken into, now it's time to mobilize. These men and women aren't gonna do it on their own. We are gonna stand with them. If we're gonna stand with them and fight, let's stand with them and fight. We will win the day. We will overcome. Come right now. Come right now. I want you to come up in front, and we are going to pray. We're going to seek God, but I want these young people to pray for you. So come right now. Don't stand back. Come right now and say, Lord, I give myself to you. Lord, I give my hairdressing uh, business to you. Lord, I give my life to you. I give my voice to you. Everything that I do, every action that I take, I'm going to do for your glory. And if the first responders are hanging over here, I want you guys, these young guys, guys right here, I want you to come over and pray with these guys. Adults, keep on coming up. Keep on coming up. Young people, I want you to pray with power and pray with authority. This morning is a morning of expectation of what God is going to do. If you have pain in your body, we want to pray for your healing. We want safety over these men and women. We want safety over their lives. Holy Spirit of God, be poured out in this place. Lord, this isn't a weird thing, God. We, are, we, have, we all have this spirit. We all need to meet with you. 
Father, I pray that you would be poured out. God, I pray that you would alert us to the wiles of the enemy. God, I pray that a greater anointing would come through these young people. Lord, I pray for healing, Lord, to wash over this place. There is none like you, God. Why do we do all this? Because we believe it to be true. We believe it to be true. Hallelujah. Young people, if you're not praying with anybody, I want you to jump out into these congregations, man. Start walking the aisles and start praying for people. Go for it, guys. If you're not praying with anybody, go ahead and take off and go up through the aisles and start praying. Holy Spirit of God, fall. Come on, release it this morning. Give your life fully over to God and see what he can do. Expect something greater. Expect something mightier. If you're operating in ministry, expect God to do more. Pray for more. Joshua 1.3 says he will give you every place that you set your foot as he had promised Moses. He will give you every place that you set your foot. No weapon formed against you will prosper. All those that rise against you shall fall. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.